Brother Todd, hallelujah. Chad, thank you very much. Well, you know, this morning as I was thinking about the, the service and up here uh, praying, and I just thank God that we are walking through this time, any time, but especially this time, I thank God we're walking through with Jesus. Uh, because I wouldn't want to be trying to figure things out. And I'm so grateful that uh, fear hasn't, you know, I, I see some people in real fear, and I'm just grateful that that fear, <clears throat> I'm, I'm having a challenge saying that because I don't want to, I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just grateful it hasn't grabbed a hold of me like I think it has some other people. The Bible says, uh, perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has torment. And so we just thank God that we have Jesus walking through this situation. You know, the Bible says that he came to redeem us from the curse of the law. Curses is everyone who hangs on the tree. Jesus uh, became our penalty for the curse. We have been redeemed from the curse. Uh, I'm just grateful for that. I'm grateful that by his stripes we were healed. No sickness or disease has any rights near our dwelling place. He came healing all those oppressed of the devil. God's name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals us. In Psalms it says that don't forget his benefits. Right? Let's not forget the benefits. Who forgives all of our sins and he heals all of our diseases. And I just want to remind us of the fact that during this time, it's time for the church just to rise up and walk in who we are and and walk in the benefits that we have. And this is one of the, uh, don't forget the benefits during this time. Uh, If this was a world financial crash, I'd say, don't forget the benefits. He supplies all of our need according to his riches and glory. So praise God. All right, enough on that. And let's get into the word of God. And... I want you to go with me over to the book of Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, however you want to pronounce it. And we're going to look at uh, chapter 2. All right, what I want to talk to you today about, church, is the importance of vision. The importance of vision. And why I want to talk about that is because some people are waiting for things to get back to where how they were before we can go forward. And if we if we're waiting for things to get back to how they were in one respect uh why I'm not waiting for things to get back to the way they were because a lot of what I was seeing in America uh before all of this was taking place was I was seeing a lot of apathy. So I'm not anxious for the church to get back to being apathetic. Uh, And so really, we don't have to wait for things to get back to where they were before we can move ahead. And I believe that the the importance that we want to look at is today in the importance of vision in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 2, he says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. And make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. So as we look at that, I want you to notice in verse 2, he says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. Now it's important for us to to, uh, think about writing when you write something down, when you write the vision. You know how interesting it is of what happens when you get something out of your head and you put it onto paper. It's an amazing thing that happens when you get it out of your head because in your head it's already happening. It's already, we've already arrived. It's already a big celebration. You're excited about it. But getting it out of your head and getting it onto paper, what happens when you get it onto paper is that idea in your head suddenly starts to become more concrete. And as you look at it and you begin to write it down, you think, well, yeah, that's what's been swimming around in my head. But now that I see it on paper, and so it's an amazing thing that begins to happen. And, you know, you can do that. 
you can take those thoughts and those ideas, those concepts, and begin to put them down. Now notice he says, write the vision, and then he said, make it plain. And what's so good about making a vision plain is, you know, I've gone by some billboards, uh, and I thought, as I went by, I thought, what were they trying to sell? Or what, what were they trying to say? In fact, some, and I know that in the, the person that created that billboard, in their mind, and in their head, uh, it was pure magic. You know, when they looked at it, they thought, this is it. And when I drove by, by it, I thought, what are they trying to say? You know, I don't get any idea what they're trying to get across here. And so the importance is you write it down, but make it plain. you got to make it plain. You know, it can be complex. Complex is fine. God's not afraid of complexity, but make it plain complexity. In other words, like a good thing is like if I went past and it said, eat at Joe's. I understand eat at Joe's. Eat at Joe's, half mile ahead, on the right. Good food. I mean, that tells me a lot. Half mile on the right, good food, eat at Joe's. I mean, very plain, very simple. Gives me direction, gives me inspiration. If I'm hungry, I can go a half mile ahead, go over to Joe's. Okay, so that's what we see here. Write the vision, make it plain, And the purpose behind that is that he may run that reads it. It's not just about a slogan. It's not just about uh, having a great idea that nobody wants to get a hold of or, or participate in. But you write it in such a way that make it plain that those that read it can run with it. Last night, having dinner with a pastor, a lady pastor, I'm not afraid to say it. (laughs) And she had a gleam in her eye when she began to talk about her vision. I could see, you know, I could see that gleam as she spoke of her vision. And why is that important? Because dreams, visions, inspiration, ideas, concepts, those things are, are great. I mean, that's what, when you get excited about something, when I get excited about something, you know, and I've got that, that aha moment, that light bulb moment. How many of you have ever had a light bulb moment? Wow, this place is pretty dim. <laughs> I mean, you have a light bulb moment. The light came on. You saw something. You, you were inspired by something. You understood it. You looked at it and click, the light bulb came on. And, and, and what it is, and this person I was listening to last night, they imagined how they could help certain people with certain issues, and it was like they could just see it. You could see it unfolding in their in their thinking. Wouldn't it be great if this happened, or if we could conquer this, or if we could overcome that, or if we could make this happen? And they began to think about all the... Uh, Great things that could be. In their case, they want to start a women's shelter and help women with children that are fresh out of jail. And so in their thinking, that's the greatest thing ever. Now, walking it out. Okay, so you write the vision, you make it plain that those that read it can run with it. Without vision, people wander with no direction. Without vision, churches fall into routine and maintenance mode. So, but with vision comes anticipation, excitement, enthusiasm, energy. What is vision? Vision is the ability to see what the future could look like. Not what it will look like, but what it could look like. And why is that important? It's important to make that differentiation because you're not having a vision of what the future will look like. You're having a vision of what it could look like. The possibilities. So that's what vision vision is, being able to see what the future could look like. And where does it come from? I like Proverbs 8, uh, 8 and verse 12. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of woody inventions. Inventions. Being inventive, being creative. That's, that's one area where vision comes from. Uh, did you know... 
that really this room here is full of things that haven't been invented yet? Because the Bible says that things are uh, those things that are seen are made by those things that aren't seen. And so really anything that all people have done is really unlocked what's already there. And so what we're doing is that's that's one place that it comes from, but it also comes from an awareness, becoming aware of something. Uh, when you become aware of the fact that there's homeless, uh, about people going without food, if you become aware of a, of a, a situation in the community, whatever, whatever it is, an awareness comes. When we were over in Russia and being over there in Russia, we were, first of all, before we went to Russia, and I'm sure Kent did the, I've been everywhere, man, cross the desert, bear, man. <laughs> But we have, been, we have been all over the place. And being all over, we were going on short-term missions trips all around the world. And then what happened was Russia came open. And so we went over to Russia. We were invited by a former uh, uh, Bible school, the guy that was the head of our Bible school. He had left, and he was over there and invited us to come. We were going over there. We were... We were teaching in Bible school over there. We were doing crusades over there, and we were taking stuff to the to the missionaries that they couldn't get, like cornflakes or or M and M's. Certain things they were missing from home that they couldn't get over there. Well, you know, Ken and I are the kings of overkill. I mean, we are. We're the kings of overkill. And during that time, you could get anything that you wanted over there. I mean, that was legal, but uh, we could take huge boxes. And so we had a big group of people going with us. I still have pictures of it and video where there's this long line of people that are going with us to Russia. We're over there in Russia, and they've got big boxes. If you could pack it and get it on the air, airplane, you could... Get it over there. And this whole train of people behind us getting stuff over there. So we took it. We went to the room, started separating it, putting it all, got some pictures of that. And then we started putting it into bags and taking the bags to the missionaries. And it was like Santa Claus. We'd drop off the bags, knock on the door, run, you know, and all this. And uh, so they'd open the door, Ooh, all excited about the stuff. So what happened was they said, do you ever bring over socks and underwear. And we thought, socks and underwear? Why do you need socks and underwear? And they said, because this one missionary saw this boy walking across the field, and all of a sudden he disappeared. And so he went, and he went to see what happened to this kid. And he went over, and it was a manhole cover. And when he, down inside that manhole cover, over in Russia, over in St. Petersburg, they have public work system, and it's got the hot water for the buildings and all the plumbing stuff going underneath the city streets. And so in this area was like an intersection of these pipes. And these kids would go down in these pipes, and they would bust the insulation off of them, and they would let the heat out into that room, and they were able to survive the winter. Some of these kids got really bad burns because they were laying on the pipes down there. And they were living in abandoned buildings, living underneath uh, in these cellars, in the attics. And so whenever they would take their shoes off, their Socks had almost really become welded to their skin, and they were having to cut this stuff and peel these off. And they needed socks and underwear. They had no place to do laundry, any of that stuff. So we started taking socks and underwear. Then it started turning into shoes and blankets and clothing and all this stuff that we were taking over to them. And then it it came to us when we were giving them all of this stuff, then we would have to turn around and 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 send them back out onto the street. We would give them the stuff and then have to send them out. And we thought, we need a place for these kids to come that we can have more time with them, not have to send them back out. That's the aha moment. That's the light bulb moment. That's the, when, when that came to us. And I'm saying that to you to say, 
Where does vision come from? It comes from moments like that. When you become aware of something, you become aware of a need, you become aware of a situation, whatever it is, that's where vision comes from. Okay, it also comes from a mandate. Like when you have the apostles, uh, when you've got Saul before he became the apostle Paul, and he's on his donkey on the Damascus Road, and, uh, you know, he's out there being zealous, you know. We've got some zealous people, you know, out there on our zealous donkeys. You know, we're on the move. We're headed somewhere. Wham! Got knocked off his donkey. You know, I think it would do all of us good to get knocked off our donkeys. Every one of us. It would do us some good to get knocked off our donkeys. And when we get knocked off our donkey and we look up and say, Oh, who are you? Well, you're who I'm. I'm who you've been persecuting. And so what happened? He said, I want you to take the gospel to the Gentile. And later on, we see where Paul says... I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And so that's where it comes from. It comes from having an awareness. It comes from a mandate, uh, these ideas. And what does it do for us? This This is what I want to talk to you about, the importance of vision. What does vision do for us? It coordinates effort. Vision coordinates effort. If people can get a hold of it and we can work together, coordinates effort. The second thing it does is it gives direction. And thirdly, it produces enthusiasm. Just like that pastor that has the, had the gleam in her eye as she was talking. It produces excitement. Vision should not just, it shouldn't be a, a two-inch thick uh, note binder, you know, of direction. All right. So, and each person here is uniquely gifted and talented, and it's just combining the efforts and working together. I'm telling you, the church is such an untapped resource. Such an untapped resource. A resource. Each church has unique gifts, uh, uh, giftings, personalities, areas. But this is what I want to get to also. I've got a lot of stuff to get to. It says, Most churches and most people are chasing a dream and not following a vision. Most churches are just chasing a dream and not following a vision. Okay. And we'll start separating what that means because being, you know, this is not a vision. We want to be the best church ever. That's not a vision. (laughs) That's a great idea. That's a great concept. That's a great thought. We want to be the best church ever. Every church, I hope, wants to be the best church ever. Okay. So when you talk about uh, what is a vision, a vision is a dream with a plan. A vision is a dream with a plan. Okay. So that's making the differentiation. And I want to really talk to you about The differences between dreaming and vision. Let me go over here. I've got my notes everywhere. Okay. So this is the difference between a visionary and a dreamer. You can dream all you want to for free. You can dream all you want to for free. And there's a lot of people that as they dream all they want to for free, but there's a price to be paid for being a visionary. When I talk about... uh, a price to be paid, it's not just a monetary. When you talk about a price to be paid for being a visionary, I'm not just talking about being monetary. Okay, let me let me cut to the chase another way. You know, you we meet all the time people that are big idea people. And they like to come and kind of vomit on everybody. Blah! And when they do, it's like, here's my big idea. Blah! But then they... They can't separate the difference between a dreamer and a visionary. And why? Because talking the dream makes you sound cool, makes you sound important, because I have a great big dream. 
But when you become a visionary, dreaming is free, you know? Dream all you want. I like dreaming. All right. Because dreaming will make you mine. Okay, moving right along. (laughs) Vision calls for refinement, and most dreamers aren't willing to make the sacrifices that such refinement requires. I'm telling you, this is just where the rubber meets the road. The dream is wonderful. All of a sudden, I was like Robert Goulet, dream the impossible dream. Okay. But uh, also, when action is required, dreamers fall by the wayside. There's one friend of ours, and we we love her, uh, but she thinks she's the, the big idea person. God just gives me the ideas, and I give them out there, and everybody else is supposed to make them happen. You know, that that's not right. <laughs> that is just not right. Okay, so what I want to talk to you about some more here is turning, you know, five things that you need to know if you're going to become a visionary. How many of you want to be visionaries? Now, hardly anybody. But we we do. We want to be visionaries. I like this. God can get you out of your deepest pit. Isn't that right? Most people that came to Christ came out of a need. Uh, we came out of a need because we were we were hurting. We were concerned. It wasn't just because it was like Coke and Pepsi. Try Coke, try Pepsi, Pepsi's better. It wasn't a taste test. It wasn't about Tide is a better detergent. It wasn't that people that come to Christ because of of that, I mean, it's really suspect because it's not a, a mental ascent. It's because you came out of a need. You came out of a desire. You opened your heart. You cried out. And God got us out of that deepest pit. God can get us out of the deepest pit. But can he get us out of our easy chair? And that's almost a bigger miracle, God getting us out of our easy chair, than just getting us out of our out of that deepest pit. We got rescued, but we didn't get rescued to sit. We got rescued to serve. I mean, we are part of uh, this congregation. And, you know, it's not just about what I'm here to get. How does that affect my life? It's how does it affect your life individually, but how does it affect your life corporately? And how? what are we called to do? And really, that's what he, he called us to not sit. He called us to serve. And so he can get us out of the deepest pit, but can he get us out of the easy chair? Can he get us out of the house? Can he get us working together? Five things you need to know if you're going to be a visionary. And these are not in chronological order. They're not in order of importance. They are just five things here. Number one, you're going to have to be able to know how to cast vision. You have to, if you're going to be a visionary, you have to know how to cast vision. Why is that important? Because a lot of people have ideas, but then most of the time what I see in churches is that people will try to make things happen all on their own because they don't want to worry about trying to coordinate other people or trying to inform other people or trying to explain it to other people. It's like, I've got this giant idea in my head and it's so tremendous and I don't want to take time with you little people to try to explain it to you. I'll just get behind me and let's go forward. No. If you're going to be a visionary, you have to know how to cast vision. Pastor Billy Joe Doherty, my pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma, he was really good at it. And what he would do was, when they were in a building program, he wouldn't say, oh, we need to build something for the kids over here. Oh, please, can't you help us? If you don't help us, we're going to go under. We're just not going to be able to do it. We're just broke. He didn't do that. You know what he did? He got all the kids on Mother's Day And he said, all the kids, come up here. And he put them all on the platform behind him. And all these kids, and he said, isn't this wonderful? Look at our kids in the church. What was he doing? He was casting vision to the church, showing them the need for the children's department. And 
when, when we begin to realize that in this ministry was when a pastor got up and explained our ministry better to the people than we could. When he got up and he could cast the vision better than we could, we thought, we're in trouble. Ken can do a better job than I can at it. I'm learning from it. You have got to learn how to cast vision. Uh, because you want people to get involved. You want people to participate. That big idea that you have is going to take more time, more people, more energy. It's going to take people willing to sacrifice. You can't make true vision happen unless you can get people on board that are willing to participate, get involved. People will even take a cut in pay if they're excited about something. And so how do they get excited about it? You've got to learn how to cast that vision, how to get it out there, how to tell it in such a way. I'm, I'm dealing with this right now. You know, you just can't beat people up and say, get in line, Eddie. No. <laughs> you really can't. You have to be able to and learn from it. Okay, so number one, you've got to be able to cast vision. Number two, you have got to know absolutely that it's from God. If you don't know that your idea is from God or not, a lot of us struggle with a good idea or a God idea. And we we think this brilliant good idea that we had, and by the way, I know probably if you're like me, you've got really good at imitating God or, you know, like, God, this is the greatest thing in the world and that we should really do this. And... How many of you know the term being led by the Holy Ghost? Being led by the Spirit of God. Okay, when you're led by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God on the inside of you is like it's a knowing in your knower. What it is is it's like the green light. You've got the green light. You know when you get out into traffic and you see those red lights and one guy said, you know, you don't sit at this green light until all the lights ahead of you are, are green. No, you go through this green one, you get to the next one, you go through the green light. So you have a green light from God. This green light from God, this knowing in your knower. And so what happens is I get these fantastic ideas, these super wonderful ideas, and I just think this is the greatest thing. And I present it to God, and he says, No. And when he, when God says no, you get this click on the inside of you like this, no. And then it's like this, wait a minute, God, I, I don't think I explained it well enough. Because if I explain it to you better, then this time you'll get it. And so you explain your idea better to God, and you say, okay, God, now, right? You can see it now, right? <laughs> and he says what? He says, no. Okay, so then what do we try to do? We make a little bit of an adjustment. And we think, well, maybe if I just drop off this part, then God will get it. He'll be excited. He'll say, yeah, that was the part you should have left off before you told me to begin with. And we drop that part, and we still get a no. If you're getting that no, don't go. That's what I like. If you get a no, don't go. Why? Because if you go with this great idea, this concept, this thing that you're thinking, and you think it's so terrific, and you still go ahead with it, all of a sudden you're going to be halfway into it, and you're going to say, man, this is horrible. I don't even want to be here. I've spent all this money. I've spent all this time. I've tried to get people on board. No one's cooperating. And what do you have? You have birthed in an Ishmael. And what happens when you birth in Ishmael? You have to take care of Ishmael. So you don't want to birth Ishmael. You want to birth Isaac. You want to birth the child of promise. How do you birth in the child of promise? Because you go with the green light. You go with the, yeah, God is giving me direction. God is saying, go. I'm going with the green light. I don't go with the no. I go with the go. That's what you want to do. You want to go with the go and don't go with the no. You go with the leading of the Holy Ghost. If you go with an idea that's not a God idea, and it's just a good idea, it's just a waste of time. Number three, you've got to know that things will change. And why is this so important? Because most of us, most of us sabotage our own 
vision. We sabotage our own vision. How do we do that? Because when we get into it, and then it begin. One pastor said to me like this. He said, my life began to tighten up. If you don't want your life to tighten up, because that vision, think about it like this. What would your life be like if that thing that you have of that vision actually happened? And we, you begin to ask yourself those questions because your life will change. Your life will change. You, we are such weird people because we always want change, but we want everything to remain the same. We, we are, we're weird. And so if you want vision, you've got to realize that your life is going to change. Things are not going to remain the same. They're going to be different. Okay. And uh, I like this one. Number four, you have to have a plan. (laughs) One guy in Russia, he told me this. He said, there you go, turning a perfectly good idea into a problem. (laughs) That's right. I'm going to turn your perfectly good idea into a problem. That, That new business you want to start. That new thing that you want to do, yeah? Well, you have got to have a plan. Because without a plan, without a plan, you you, you just, you have no direction, you have no measurements, you have nothing to know whether the steps that you're taking are, are correct or not. You have to have a plan. Whenever I'm building something, I don't just go down to the... Um, to the hardware store or the lumber yard and say, hey, let's just buy a bunch of nails and screws and two-by-fours and let's just see what happens. I don't do that because what happens if you're going to build is you've got to, number one, you've got to have a pretty good idea of what it is that you're trying to accomplish, like the prayer room over here, or you have an idea of what you want to accomplish. So then when you go to accomplish that, what happens to me is I sit down and I draw it, and as I draw it, then I'm beginning to realize, okay, this will work, this won't work, what do I need? And then what happens? I make a materials list. You've got to have a materials list. And so I make my materials list about the thing that I'm envisioning. And so then I take that materials list and I get all the stuff that I need and I'm figuring out a price and a cost and everything and whether it'll work. And then this is a big thing. Then as I'm going to make that happen, I'm, I'm willing to adjust. Because if I run into something that is not working right, it's not working the way that it should be working, I'm willing to adjust. But the big thing is this. I am building what I'm seeing. I'm building what I'm seeing. Or or how would, I, how would I know if it's right? I mean, really, I'm building what I'm seeing. Blueprints. You know, you've got people that write blueprints. And a lot of times when a church is in a building program, what do they do a lot of times? They will have an artist rendition of what the what it will look like so that everybody that's leaving the church can see this is what this is what we're doing oh i'm excited oh look at this and this is going to have this and this and look at the numbers go up and use a thermometer a lot of times buy it and all this money on it and so what we're seeing is you have to have a plan you've got to have a plan all right and number 5 is you've got to know that you will encounter resistance. You will encounter resistance. And church, out of everything that I've said today, that that's really where it comes down to. If you don't know in your knower, if it's not absolutely God, and you're not convinced no matter what that you're going to pursue it, you're, you're going to quit. How many times I've had... People in the ministry come up and tell me every reason in the book why they should quit. You know, it only is going to take one one reason, the reason you accept to quit. 
The reason you accept, and I know that there are seasons, and I know that there's switches, you know, things that happen, but I'm saying that, I'm saying a lot of half sentences, but let me say this. This pastor, he said he was in a, in a community, and one of his pastor friends was leaving, and he was like, oh. He left, another pastor left, and he said, God, I'm seeing all these people leave. And he said, why did you call me here? And God said to him, because I knew you'd stay. <laughs> oh, man, and when he said that, I knew that was the voice of God speaking to him. So when you get these great ideas and you come to Pastor Chad and and say, Pastor Chad, oh, we need to. And then if it, it takes your participation, then a lot of times what happens is the first Sunday or the first Tuesday or the first Thursday, 20 people show up. And then the following week, it's 10. And the following week, it's 5. And the following week, it's you know, you or and your wife, and your wife doesn't even want to be there. Okay. So, <laughs> and so when we're looking at that, how convinced were you? Were you really? Was it really a God idea? Or was it just a good idea? Was it just inspiration? Because you better know, you had better know, you are going to encounter resistance. But that's what makes you the visionary. Not just because, you know, you're not the prophet just because you've got big ideas. I'm, I apologize to anybody I just offended. <laughs> because it's not just being the big idea person. It, a visionary is walking it out. That's what makes you a visionary. And I know I'm probably in trouble already, but I'm going to... Oral Roberts, I love Oral Roberts. I mean, Oral Roberts went out on all this property that he had, and he saw a university. I mean, that's cool. Uh, Walt Disney, and I know somebody's probably upset now because Walt Disney, they're this, they're that. But Walt Disney, when he originally was um, doing the first animated full-length motion picture ever was done by Walt Disney, it was Sleeping Beauty, I think it was. Yes, yeah, Sleeping Beauty. And it was Snow White, thank you. Yes. And when he did Snow White, do you know that his brother tried to talk him out of it? His wife tried to talk him out of it. The investors tried to talk him out of it. And also, the technology that it was going to take to make it happen didn't even exist. But this man was so convinced of what he was trying to accomplish, he created the technology that it took to make it happen. And so I'm saying to you visionaries, you dreamers, I mean, most people like to just stay in the dream, though, because it makes you sound cool. Oh, yeah, man, I think we should have multiple campuses, whatever. All right, I've gone to meddling now. I'm in trouble. <laughs> I want to pray for you, church, because I believe that we have one called alongside to help us, the Holy Ghost. And with that, we have been given dunamis power, miracle-working power. And on top of that, he will show us things to come, bring it back to our remembrance. I'm telling you, we are not the folding church. We are the exploding church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I'm excited about it. We are on the precipice of going further, building bigger, having more outreach. All right. Father, I just pray for this congregation. And God, I pray that our adventure is waiting for us. Our adventure. And Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name... I pray that that there are visions that are being incubated. Uh, they're coming to f- uh, uh, full uh, maturity and are ready to be birthed. But then as they birthed in that vision, then they're becoming good parents to, to walk it out. God, I just pray for finances. I pray for uh, divine connections. 
Uh, God, I just thank you, Lord, for what you have for us, organizational uh, things that we have need of. Father, we are an inspired congregation. I just uh, pray right now in the name of Jesus. And as we're closing, and before I give it to Pastor Chad, uh, I also pray for anybody that's here that are that's going through a challenge, an emotional challenge, a financial challenge, a physical challenge. Father, I thank you that you have not forsaken us. You've not left us alone. Uh, you are with us. You're holding our hand. You're walking through it with us. And I thank you, God. We are inspired. We're, uh, God, we are, uh, and full of anticipation. And I just thank you for miracles in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Jan. Praise the Lord. The worship team, if you'd come up. Praise the Lord, stay up here, brother. We're going to pray. I don't know if you guys know it, but we, um, when you talk to um, Kent and Todd about Micaiah Ministries, one thing that they will stress is that they're coming to the churches to pour into the churches. And I don't know if you've noticed, but his entire message was pouring into our church and didn't even mention his own ministry. And uh, so I just want you to know that when they come in, they're preaching directly to our church. And that message that he preached about vision, we live on that. I mean, we are a visionary church. We're moving ahead together. And uh, God has poured out a vision into this church. So I think He hit it right on the head um, that we need to focus in and let God God provide Holy Spirit energy and vision. And, and, um, and, and, and I don't know if you realize it, but everything around us, was envisioned through the Holy Spirit, and God did it. And uh, we're not done. We, um, we're we presenting vision in small portions because I'm afraid you'll think I'm crazy. And I'm just being honest. I'm not even joking. You know, there's so many things that God's put in my heart to do that if I say all of it, you'll say I'm certifiably crazy, and that's okay. But, but church, I just, I just appreciate what this brother does. Like I said, he's pouring into our church, not even mention his own ministry. So remember, um, mark your checks, write them to Wellspring, but write on the memo, Micaiah Ministries, M-I-C-A-I-A-H. Yes. Yeah. All right, praise the Lord. And um, Todd, if you'd come up here, we're going to pray over our brother and... Uh, and, uh, and like I said, don't forget, you know, write in the memo, M-I-C-A-I-A-H, Micaiah Ministries. How many know who Micaiah is in the Bible? I love the name. Um, there was a time in Israel's history where they didn't have a prophet uh, that would tell the truth. And there was one, I believe, in the nation that told the truth. And his name was Micaiah. <laughs> awesome name. I love it. Praise the Lord. If our um, elders, anybody would like to come up here, um, just point your hand this direction. We're just going to pray over this ministry. Eddie, would you do that? Yeah. Father God, we thank you so much for Micaiah Ministries, Lord. We thank you for Kent and Todd, Lord. Uh, God, they're family, Lord. They're not just missionaries to come and visit, God. They're... Uh, of course, they're part of the body of Christ, but they're our family, Lord. And we thank you that you uh, you bring them here, God. We thank you the way you bless them and the way you bless us with them. Lord, right now I pray just uh, a double anointing over Todd and Kent, Lord, as they go forward. I pray that you would uh, you'd bless their ministry, God. You'd bless what their hands touch, God. You'd give them these fresh visions, God, for their ministry. You give them provision in it, Lord. You give them people who would listen to that vision be cast, God, that they would buy into it, God. Give them God vision, Lord. Multiply this ministry, Lord. God, they're doing a lot already, but we know you can do more. So you do more through them, God. Bless yourself through them. God, I pray that you would just pour blessings upon them also, Lord, as individuals. And even those who are helping them with Micaiah Ministries, God, that they would all be blessed by what they're doing for you and that you're doing in them, God. I pray, Lord, you just keep them safe. Let them know at all times how much you love them. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's just worship together for a moment. If everybody good, we're uh, we've got plenty of time. Let's worship together. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you need prayer uh, for anything this morning, physical, emotional, you know, whatever it is, just feel free. We're up here to pray for you. I mean, all that's what we're here for. Pray for one another, love one another, bless one another. Hallelujah. thinking back to a period in the Bible that correlates really well with where we're at as a church, and that is the time of Nehemiah. And you know what? In Nehemiah's day, it was essential really to be obedient to the Lord because they were trying to build protection around the city, trying to build a wall. And he was talking about the opposition that you'll face when God has given you a vision. Now, it was to their own benefit to build a wall to protect them and to actually survive. And so being obedient to the Lord is to our own benefit because it's our only means of surviving in these days and protecting our family and bringing people inside the protection of that wall. But if you look at that part of the Bible where they're building that wall, there were a lot of forces that were trying to get them to give up. In fact, you naturally had their enemies, right? And their enemies were constantly laughing and saying, look at what you're building. A fox would knock it over. That wall's nothing. Um, Not only did they have the enemies, but they also had their relatives who were also telling them not to build the wall. Their rural relatives that lived around said the thing you're doing is foolish, and most of the people weren't doing it. Very small remnant came back to build, and everybody in their family was saying, don't do it. Another thing they battled, um, there was a storehouse full of materials there that was intended for the temple. It was paid for. God miraculously gave them all the resources, and they were trying to use that material to build their own houses. They were putting cedar, beautiful cedar in their house from that storage. So there's a tendency on our part to say, hey, God, you've given me all these resources and they're for me. And God's saying, no, I blessed you so you can bless the house of the Lord. And you say, well, you just want us to bless the church. No, I'm talking about the work of the Lord. I'm not talking about me. I'm not talking about the church coffers. I'm talking about there's something God wants to do in this day. And I remember uh, last week I was sitting around 30 different people have uh, committed themselves to studying the word together and being leaders in this church and not giving up, but standing with this church to move forward and do the work of the Lord. And I remember at one point I was looking around and I was thinking to myself, and I just kind of smiled, and the Lord kind of made me understand at that moment I looked around and I seen the diversity of gifts. I seen the diversity of the gifts of the people that I had in my three groups. And I just kind of smiled and realized, God, you've given me everything I need to fulfill this vision. You've given me every skill set that I need to see this vision come to pass. And church, uh, this vision isn't from me. I spent all my time in a prayer room. And if I come out of a prayer room and have a vision, um, that vision is not just for me either. That division, that vision is for you, and that vision is for you to run with, and that vision is for you to have a place of ministry. You know when they were building the wall? You know that the opposition was coming against them? And they said, you know, you build your wall, and over here we'll build our wall, and over here we'll build our wall, and if we all do it together, guess what we'll have? 
walls of protection that we can put our family in and sleep at night. And they said, let's uh, from here on out, let's sit, let's work and sleep with our sword on our side. And so they decided as they were building the wall to sleep and walk around with their sword just as a commitment to say, we're going to build this wall and the gates of hell will not prevail. Church, I would encourage you to stay building the wall, building the walls of protection. Uh, Not only the walls of protection, but the walls of aggression to the enemy. You know, it's a place to launch out and reach the lost. And uh, it doesn't matter what's happening this day. We're going to reach the lost. We're going to do what the Lord's called us to do, right? Hallelujah. We're going to be like bulldogs. We're not going to let go of God's vision for the church. We're going to accomplish it, and we're going to do great things. The Bible says we'll do great exploits. I believe it. Hallelujah. How many believe that? Amen. Praise the Lord. It doesn't matter if you believe it. We're going to do it anyway. I just like to ask questions. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, we um, are so appreciative that you're mindful of us, Lord. That you think about us, Lord God. You speak to us, Lord. Lord, that we're your own, Lord God. Lord, we are your beloved, Lord. Lord, I pray your blessings upon your people, Lord. I pray your anointing upon your people. Lord, you've raised this church, Lord, to be ministers, Lord. Lord, to shine bright in a dark day, Lord God. Lord, to put the enemy to flight, not to run from the enemy, Lord. Lord, you're going to do mighty things through this church, through this church, Lord God, and I just pray your anointing upon each and every person. Keep your hand upon them, Lord. Keep your spirit. Holy Spirit, keep them full of you and overflowing. Lord, I pray that your plans and your purposes would be executed through this church, Lord. Do mighty things, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Everybody said, Amen.